Welcome to the Pilot Podcast, where we watch the pilot episodes of TV shows and recap other shows to answer your question, should I watch this? My name is BJ. And my name is Me Too. And this week we're checking out a spin-off series on USA Network, Pearson. So stay tuned to the end to find out if Olivia Pope and Annalise Keating walked so Jessica Pearson could fly. Ooh, do you think that this political legal drama is going to be in the same vein as those two shows? USA Today literally had a commercial of Gina Torres walking down a hall, and it was like Olivia Pope, and the name was <laughs> slides to the side, and then Annalise Keating, out of there. It's Jessica Pearson's time. Yeah, I guess they're wrapping things up, so this is her time to shine. Okay, me too. How about you give our listeners a quick summary? Sure, Beach. Well, this episode was a little bit difficult for me to follow because I actually haven't seen Suits. And honestly, it is a bit blasphemous because I feel like Suits is right up my alley. Sorry to the Duchess. So I did not see the backdoor pilot, and I think that would have been helpful. But a brief recap of this pilot episode of Pearson is we see Jessica Pearson post-New York, post-being pushed out of the law firm, and in a new city, Chicago. She takes a job at City Hall working for the mayor because she wants to exact change from within the system versus from outside of the system as she originally had been through her lawsuit, which we'll learn later led to her losing her license to practice, which was because of Carrie in the mayor's office who had a a bit of a personal vendetta against Jessica because of her accusations against the police because Carrie is a cop's daughter even though she doesn't look like a cop's daughter, even though we don't know what that phrase means. And throughout this episode, you basically see Jessica Pearson try to use those same New York tactics, wielding her power in Chicago to make some backdoor deals, put some pressure on the right people, and work on a bus strike, an education policy, and also some personal issues with her family. We also meet her man at the beginning of the episode, and he is not so into her taking this job in City Hall for Mayor Novak, whom he calls a liar. And so he immediately takes a job in Miami. So I think that's the last we've seen of him for at least a few episodes. So me too. What did you think about some of the Chicago political issues that Jessica is trying to face, such as funding the local school so they're equally distributed around the city or dealing with a hunger strike? I thought that based on the direction that they're taking Jessica Pearson as someone who's trying to work both outside of and within a system to exact larger scale change than what she was doing through individual lawsuits, then Chicago is the right place to set it because it's understood as this place that is open for corruption. There's this famous bit that Jon Stewart did where you have a higher chance of committing crime or being arrested for your crime as a Chicago governor than you are as a murderer. I can't remember exactly the stat that he was able to pull together. It was right after Blagojevich was found out. But basically, Chicago got some things going on in its local politics. And so Jessica Pearson is there to clean things up while not being well lit. Do you like her approach where she's willing to break the status quo? She knows that this is a new environment and there's like an old way of doing things with these relationships, but she's really all about fighting for the justice, maybe breaking some relationships if it means getting her job done. How do you feel about that kind of uh, 
that focused approach. She had a conversation with the mayor at the end of the episode where it seemed like he wanted to reel her in a bit. And she was like, well, obviously, I got all the results you needed today. So you got to let me cook. And I think that's where this show is going. I feel like you clocked this first when we were watching. Everyone's going to hate her methods. Everyone's going to hate her approach. But then there's going to be a moment where people are like, oh, Jessica was right all along. I think we'll see her make maybe two mistakes this season where we're like, oh, that was not the right call. But otherwise, it'll always be right. Just like with other procedural shows with leads who are unconventional in their methods. Yeah, I am worried that she will always be right. And we're not going to reach a real conflict into the series until she makes her like first mistake. And I think that can sometimes make procedurals get a little dry and repetitive. So I do hope that she'll either make more than one mistake throughout the season or someone like Carrie or maybe even a character we haven't really seen much of will act as a nice contrast to her to push back. Yeah, I'm hoping we'll see that out of her cousin, who already was pushing back a bit on Jessica and confronted her after she said that she was dropping the lawsuit in order to actually join the mayor's office. I also think we'll see some pushback if he comes back in Jeff, her partner, because as soon as she told him she was taking a job with the city, he literally left and took a case in Miami. (laughs) So I think he's a little miffed and hopefully when he comes back, because in the universe of the show, the case is for a few weeks, we'll get to see him be like, well, how's your little mayor's office job going? How did you feel about the dynamics between Jessica and the people in the office? So we have the guy from Riverdale, who's the press secretary. We have Carrie, who doesn't look like the typical cop's daughter. And we have the mayor. Oh, and the mayor's driver who we find some secrets about you know i think it's obvious that she is not a politician she came from suits where not only was she an attorney she was a partner so like she even said in this episode she's used to being in charge she's used to being the most experienced person in the room and people coming to her for help and so i think i saw a lot of those conflicts in a new office space when you have to find your place, because she has the experience needed for the job, even though there might be some other sketchy reasons why the mayor hired her, like blackmail, just putting that out there so you guys know another plot point. But I think she needs to realize when it's good to plot her expertise and skill, and when she really needs to kind of respect these people who are now her coworkers. Like, they are all on the same team. They should, in principle, all be working together. And I think she's very much like, I'm the star rookie on the team. I'm going to show y'all what I can do. When I hope that she learns to bring people in more. So it's not just, I mean, the show is called Pearson, but I hope she doesn't really just treat it like the Pearson show. And it can be a team effort. Because in Suits, I watched the first few seasons of that. A lot of the cool plot lines involve the people at the law firm working together. It's not just one attorney doing it all by themselves. I like that, though I do want it to be a little bit of the Pearson show in that I love the idea of her flexing her 
specific skills that she's gained from navigating an environment as toxic as suits <laughs> to create change that will help people like her family. Because that was also an interesting dynamic on the show was a little bit of that survivor's guilt that she has, it seems, from being this affluent, powerful person with lots of access and then visiting her family who are more vulnerable. How did you feel about her aunt and her cousin on the show? I think they have a lot of potential to humanize Jessica because she does come across as very to the point, all about business, workaholic. And so I think it's nice to see that, you know, underneath that facade, she has people she cares about, not just Jeff, but she has her family as well. And so I think they're a good way of bringing her down to earth and also making her more relatable to your everyday person like us in the audience, because we can kind of see her family or cousin as a proxy for how it would probably be if we actually knew Jessica. True. I also hope that, like you said, in addition to bringing her a bit down to earth, also gives her the chance to be vulnerable. One thing that frustrates me in shows and movies centering around powerful women, especially powerful black women, is they're portrayed as these tough, no-nonsense people who barely take a moment to feel sad. And usually when they are portrayed as sad or vulnerable, it's because they miss their partner or they're longing for some man. And so I think introducing this family dynamic could be great to see a vulnerability that she feels just in herself or in her connection to other people that isn't centered around, woe is me, I'm this single woman without my man around navigating this thing. Yeah, hopefully she will be willing to open up with them. I think her cousin is willing to keep her in check. And I think that will also help us see that vulnerable side of her if they kind of talk things out, maybe have some little back and forth moments as well. And ultimately, the women in the show that she has friction with, so her cousin and Carrie, she shares ultimate goals with them of the things that they want to accomplish. Like they all wanted to see an end to that strike. Their motivations, of course, were different across the three of them, but they all needed this resolution. And so I'm sure it'll happen in this season, her and Carrie putting aside some of their differences and working together, or her and her cousin having that bonding moment and working together, because it'll be cool to see them develop their relationships. I love a badass character, but I need them to be human as well. That does make it more uh, enjoyable. Yes. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? Like, on Scandal... Carrie Washington or Olivia Pope was never vulnerable, except for when it came to, for the most part, her relationships with the president who she was having an affair with and other lovers. And she sometimes was vulnerable with regard to her staff, but it mostly centered around those men. And then same thing with Annalise Keating. We see her have breakdowns with regard to what she's done with men in the past and with regard to the men that she dates after her husband's passing and you just want to have those moments where they're human like how to get away with murder gave us a couple episodes of annalise keating with her mom and having these moments where cicely tyson who plays her mom like oils annalise's scalp and combs her hair 
And you can just tell she has this moment where she's allowed to exhale and relax into her mom. And I just wish we saw more of that of her. And maybe we will in this last season of just saying like, you can be this really hardworking and productive and effective person, but you can also be a human being. Yeah, we should see all sides of Jessica, not just the mayor office side of her. I liked seeing her running that city from (laughs) the back of an Uber (laughs) with a couple handshakes and half-made deals. Me too. I need a book, and I also want to live my best life, but I don't know where to begin. Then turn to the real-life Olivia Pope, Judy Smith. And lucky for you and our listeners, this episode is brought to you by Audible, where you can find the legendary crisis manager's advice book, Good Self, Bad Self. You're my own personal Olivia Pope. Thank you. I got you, Beach. Just go to audibletrial.com slash thepilotpod. You'll get a free 30-day trial membership, be able to browse their unmatched selection of audio programs, and pick up a title to download free and start listening. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash thepilotpod. Happy listening. And now back to our show. This is a bit of a random pivot, Beach, but can we talk about the lighting of the show? Because I think you had your own very specific feelings about it. I just want you to share them with our listeners. Yes. So when we review pilots, we're not just looking at the characters and the plot and the themes. We're also looking at the production values. And one of the very odd things that stood out is that the show is very dimly lit. It's dark. Well, there's like dark, like stranger things, which I've been watching recently where they have nighttime scenes and you're just like, I can't see. This is just people in their homes, people in an Mm -hmm. office building, offices which typically have super bright fluorescent lights, but it's always very dim and it's always just just enough light to see the characters. And it's not believable that anyone would live or work like that. That's such a good point. Because the scenes made me immediately think of the Game of Thrones battle scenes, which were inappropriately dark, and Homie got snubbed for an Emmy, and I'm sure that was partially to blame. But this wasn't a battle at night. This was people, like you said, (laughs) chilling in their living room having breakfast. And so it just made no sense. We noticed it in the beginning because she was in her bedroom with Jeff, and it was a little dark. And so you think, okay, maybe the sun isn't all the way up yet. Maybe their blinds are half drawn. Maybe they're trying to have, you know, just a nice mellow morning. And then again, in her kitchen, it's kind of dark. And you're like, all right, maybe she's one of those people that eases into their day. Can't have full light. But then we step into the office, also dark. And then at that point, you're wondering, is it a light sensitivity? What is happening here? And remember in the mayor's office, it was super dark. I don't even think he had windows. No. Did you know that 2 Chains has a sensitivity to light and that's why he wears sunglasses all the time? Oh. Isn't that cool? I don't, that's kind of b- not bad. cool. Let me not say that. I think it's cool that he turned something that brings him discomfort into one of his signature look. It's like stylish and functional now. I know you didn't watch Suits, but do you like that this show seems fairly removed from the show that it's a spinoff of? I know it's kind of early, so we don't know if there will be crossover, but they're really drawing a line. I like when spinoffs have their own universes and there's not as much go-between from the show and the spinoff. I like, for example, that Frasier, famously a spinoff of Cheers, sometimes had Woody on the show, had a couple great episodes of Sam Malone on the show. 
but for the most part was its own great television program. We took the character that we loved so much and then centered a show around their life. Same thing with the Jeffersons, same thing with Maud. So I like the idea of giving her a fresh start, but I hope that just contextually, I think I'm missing a lot of information. <laughs> so I hope that we occasionally see some Suits members for me to close some gaps that I had in this first episode. I also think that I would have been way less confused about this pilot had I seen the backdoor pilot in Suits, which mm-hmm. I didn't know about. So I didn't see it. Yeah. And we purposely chose to go with the pilot episode for Pearson. Yeah. Even though the backdoor pilot did air actually last year, but it was a technically an episode of Suits. This show really picks up wherever that backdoor pilot put it down. Yeah, they do not try to catch you up on Jessica's background. They don't try to catch you up on what Carrie did to remove her law license. Ain't no last week on Suits, blah, blah, blah. Not at all. No. And that all technically happened a year ago, like air date wise. But I don't know how much time passed between Jessica's character leaving New York and the start of this show. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. Because it feels fresh in the sense that Carrie's mad. I mean, people hold grudges for sure, but she feels very mad in a way that indicates perhaps this is fresh or ongoing. Yeah. How long do you think it will take for Carrie and Jessica to at least improve their working relationship. My prediction is they'll have some sort of common goal that they'll begrudgingly work together toward. And Mm -hmm. so that's what's going to bring them together, at least temporarily. I definitely see them as frenemies. So we'll see them work together when they need to. And we'll also see them work behind each other's backs because ultimately, I don't think Jessica necessarily dislikes Carrie. She doesn't trust her, which she shouldn't. But Carrie does not like Jessica. Yeah, she makes it very clear. What does a policewoman's daughter look like? I keep saying this, but it was such a confusing line for me because Carrie says that part of the reason she doesn't like Jessica is Jessica, she tried to claim painted Chicago police in a certain way, which whatever, we don't have to get into that. But she says, and my father is a police officer. And then I guess Jessica says something like, I didn't know. Which no one walks around knowing what everyone else's parent does unless you're friends with Sasha and Malia Obama. Otherwise, I'm pretty in the dark unless it comes up from you. And then Carrie, when Jessica apologizes and says she she didn't know, goes, yeah, I know I don't look like the typical cop's daughter. And we watched that show an hour ago. And for each minute of that hour, I've been thinking about that. And I don't know what a cop's daughter looks like. I still don't know what that stereotype implies. I didn't know there was one. For her to say that, her character must have dealt with that a handful of times. Must have. Maybe it's like a politician legal field type of insult. So we're just removed from that world. So I looked up cop daughter stereotype. I just Googled it. Mm -hmm. Nothing. None of the first two pages of results make any reference to cop daughter stereotypes. They're about farmer's daughter stereotypes, officer tropes in TV, why police officers love donuts so much, but nothing about what it means to be a cop's daughter, whatever that means. 
Well, we'll have to wait and see if the writers can fill us in on the meaning throughout the series. I guess. Any final thoughts on Pearson? No, I think I'm ready to review. What's your rating for USA Network's Pearson? I would suggest for listeners like me who aren't familiar with Suits to check out the backdoor pilot and give it a couple more episodes. I think there was a lot of juice in this first episode that makes me think I'll probably want to watch more, but I just am lacking so much foundational information that I'm definitely going to have to go back, watch that backdoor pilot, and then go from there. But there is a lot of great juice in this first episode. I would say there were like four or five big reveals off top. What did you think about this pilot episode? I think it set up the premise well for what Pearson is going to be all about in the political world of Chicago. I think it would be confusing if people who have not watched Suits watch the backdoor pilot only because it's going to introduce a lot of Suits characters who don't seem to be relevant to the Pearson Mm. spinoff. That's fair. That's a hard balancing act where if you just don't know anything about Suits, you might be better off having a few questions for a while and then just stay locked in this new universe of the spinoff instead of trying to catch up on like seasons and seasons of Suits background that Jessica Pearson has already gone through. Oh, I meant just that bottle episode. Yeah, I'm saying if you start with that, then you might have more questions about like, what has Jessica been doing? I always thought the structure of bottle episodes is they live by themselves. Not always. Mm. Okay, so agreed. Maybe instead, if you're confused, just give it a couple more episodes. Because I thought there was a lot of good juice here. I see potential. Mm -hmm. So the question is, me too, will you watch episode two? I will. Okay, that's what our listeners need to know. And I would recommend they do the same. I think that matters more to them than what I'll do. Hey, you never know. They might be blindly following your direction. Mmm, that's a lot of power. Like how Jessica Pearson wields in Chicago. You're the next Pearson. No, thank you. She's wealthy and powerful. Just a lot of people hate her. Yeah, I don't want that many (laughs) targets on my back. There is a moment where a character that doesn't like her tells the mayor's body man and driver to keep her on a leash. I don't ever want someone so angry with me that they refer to me as an animal. I'm sure it's happened behind my back, but I don't like these conversations to be a plenty. And I think there'll be a plenty for her. And what's worse is if you look into what she dealt with in suits in New York, she has even more targets on her back. Oof. I do actually want to end this episode with a love letter to Gina Torres. She is a fantastic actress. She killed it on Firefly. She killed it on Suits. She is all powerful in this pilot episode of Pearson. And so I would love to close on the note of Gina Torres. You did that. You've been doing that. And you're continuing to do that. Keep it up, Gina. We're rooting for you. We love you, Gina. Go ahead. So if you want to find out other series that we love, head to thepilotpodcast.com. You can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. And be sure to leave us a rating and review. It really helps. You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at The Pilot Pod. You can like us on Facebook at The Pilot Podcast. And you can send thoughts, feelings, episode suggestions. We still have a few dozen left. 
but we promise we are working through them to askthepilotpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.